0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of uh, the Business Book Podcast. So I'm pretty honored today that, that our guest is uh, Ray Bard. So before I give you his his professional um, background, let me tell you how he doesn't even realize that he's personally connected to, to me. So one of the other guests on the the season, uh, on my podcast this season, is Roy Williams, the Wizard of Ads. Now, uh, Roy was my virtual mentor. He didn't even know he was my mentor. But whenever I first got into the writing business, I was a copywriter. And uh, Roy, the Wizard of Ads, in uh, his books, The Wizard of Ads, The Secret of Ads, um, or Secrets of the Wizard of Ads, I mean those were some of the some of my my bibles they were my my guiding uh, ideas on how a copywriter should approach the the business well it just so happens that Roy's so my my virtual mentor Roy his one of his mentors is Ray Bard so Ray um not only uh is not only Roy's uh, pu- uh, uh mentor but also Roy's publisher so Ray published um Roy's uh, early books, *The Wizard of Ads*, uh, through his company Bard Press. Now, Bard Press is one of the—I uh, mean—it's one of the most exclusive business publishers in in the business. Now, they've um, in 13 years, uh, Ray through Bard Press has has published seven books. Half of them have been on um, bestsellers list. Two have sold more than a million copies, including. One of my own favorite books, actually, I I read it before I even realized that it was published by Bard Press. It's The One Thing, Um, and if you're in any kind of a business or or sales, you've you've come across uh, The One Thing. Incredible book. Then also, if you're in business uh, uh, anywhere, you've probably also come across The Little Red Book of Selling. It's the best-selling sales book of all time, more than 3 million copies sold. Um, also published through uh, through Bard Press. Uh, but his latest book is, um, is actually – it was a personal hobby of, of his that he has turned into uh, a beautiful book. It's called Fired Up, Selling Great Quotes to Inspire, Energize, and Succeed. And even though it, it has spelling in the title, um, y'all, it is – I'm holding a copy in, in my hand, and it is – so much more than than just a, a sales book. It is a, a life inspiration book. Um, so if you love quotes at all, if you like being inspired, if you like being motivated, and if you love going through and just reading beautiful words, you owe it to yourself to so go grab a, a copy of, of Fired Up Selling. So uh, Ray graciously agreed to be on the the show today. Um, to talk about uh, I invited him because I'd like him to talk about this book but uh, more in, in, in general the whole idea of uh, whenever we're in the publishing business whenever we're writing how do we think about the most important person in the room and that person is of course our reader so all of that to say Ray welcome to the show and thank you for your time
1: Eric it's great to be with you today Uh and let me go back and do just a brief addendum to what you said about Roy and I. Uh, please, please. Uh, Roy is as much my mentor as he is mine. Uh, I've learned <laughs> so much of Roy over the years. You know, One of the great luxuries of my publishing model is I only publish so few books. Uh, I think maybe 30 over, I don't know, the last how many years, many years. Um, and because of that, and a lot of these, I've Authors, I've published two and three. I think I've published five of Roy's books, four or five of Roy's books, and so I have. It's been my great pleasure to get to know these people, and and some of these are some of my closest friends, also. So, and I've learned so much from Roy reading his Monday morning memo, and uh, and you know, obviously reading his books because I was involved in publishing them. So, uh, I just want to want to make sure to, to clarify that. And so let's go back to the the selling part and. I don't know when, it's been many years now, I began to think, uh, you know, I have a sales background a long, long time ago, um, and then I published a number of sales and marketing books, and and the when you think about selling itself, you know, there's the Daniel Pink book, uh, you know, where he's, in the book, he talks, uh, you know, he says, we're all in sales now, and uh, right. And Robert Liz Davidson you know, 100 years ago or more longer said uh, everyone lives by selling something and so we're if whether or not we're doing it verbally or whether or not we're doing it in print we're in the persuasion business and I think when you think about us as authors uh, whether or not we have someone working for us like a publisher or whether or not we're self-publishing our first sales job is to sell the book. Is to get someone to take it home and read it. Uh, and so that's our big sale. If that doesn't happen, and so there you get back to oh, the design of the cover, the title, and the subtitle. And that's another whole conversation sometimes, Derek, about about choosing those because those make sure you, you know that's what I call the first editorial dot. And that's the big dot that you connect throughout the book about all the other. Editorial or content pieces, and and so the um, so I began to think about what are we really selling when we're selling books, and very quickly it was obvious to me that we're not selling paper or ink or any of that. You know, what what constitutes a book? Uh, we're really selling information. You know that was the first very obvious thing. Okay, we're selling information, concepts, ideas, and so on. And uh, my next conclusion pretty quickly was, well, a lot of people don't pay a whole lot just for information uh there's something more that they want and uh, what struck me next was dealing with a lot of business books and personal development books the areas that I publish in, it occurred to me that they are selling how to, and when you look at um uh, You know, uh, diet books, almost all, uh, a great number of business books uh, and personal development books. You know, there's seven seven habits. You know, you go down the long list of books that have numbers in them, which, uh, you know, give you steps or phases to go through. And And the promise that you're making in the book, usually in the book title, is if you give me 20 or 25 bucks, you know, and and follow this you know follow my quote program, you'll get this result um, so people were looking for um results essentially, and then you know what you know finally really hit me, and this is the big thing that people are really looking for they're looking for hope they're looking that if you give them information and show them how to do something. They're hoping that your promise is true that when they do that that they hope for change not only change but positive change If it's a diet book they hope to lose thirty pounds or whatever it is uh, there's no, it's not a joke but an no old cliche in the in the book business uh, you know the very big big ocean of uh, books uh, are for diet sex and money and Almost all of those have you know, out, those are all how to those are almost all how to books and um and so when you're looking if you're an author and you're looking for big you know felt need you know where people uh, you know you know it's a it's a big ocean of uh ocean market there you know think diet section money um of course business books you know fit into money almost all business books i think in their broadest sense of the word. Uh, or helping people to become, uh, you know, more to help improve their financial life, and uh, and so so it's we're selling hope, um, and and if we're not selling hope in a book, if we're not selling hope in a business book or a personal development book, we're in trouble, I think. It's uh, we're not really selling information. Uh, information by itself just doesn't have a whole lot of value uh, and and so the last one I had to I used these three when I do workshops and seminars and stuff and work with my clients I used these three a long time and I kept thinking well this there's there has to be one other because I would see books like for economics you know there's not you know there's information there You know, there's, uh, certainly uh, there's no steps in free economics. They don't give you any seven-step plans or the five keys or any of that. Uh, and there's not a lot of hope, you know, in free Freakonomics. Uh, or if you look at Gladwell's book, <laughs> and if you look at Tipping Point, and if you look at, I'm walking over to my shelf now, if you look at Blink, I think Blink is about 350 pages long. It's it's a chubby book. And, uh, and so, you know, there's... You know, it has some of those in it, but there's certainly not a lot of how-to in Bleak. Uh, so I began to think of those, and what clicked for me then is we're selling entertainment. And yeah. and so when you think, uh, of course, uh, you know, when we read Freakonomics, you know, those, those are fun to read. I mean, they're, you know, they've almost always got a back-end twist, and uh, they make us think. Uh, if we're curious, they give us some surprises. Um, they're kind of counterintuitive and oddities. And but when you look at Gladwell too, I think when you that's where you get in the style the style in writing and really being a good writer, a good wordsmith. And I think it's a reason for a writer to really develop your craft is uh and just to keep you know, becoming a better just keep becoming a better writer. And the way to do that is obviously to write. And the and because Gladwell is a pleasure to read, because it's his stylistic ability, he's a pleasure to read and so yeah. um when i uh you know when I work with authors and work on a book or or encourage other people to begin to think about them, I ask them to go back and and to look at those four different chunks uh information hope results and and entertainment. And to see what their mix is, to see whether or not they have enough entertainment in there, or certainly whether or not they have enough hope in there.
0: You know, one thing that I forgot to um, I forgot to introduce is that uh, you shared this uh, this kind of um, summary of these uh, of these things, and and for uh, for everyone listening, I'll uh, I'll put it in the in the show notes so that you can see how how Gray has it um, laid out here, information, hope, results, and, and pleasure. And then he's got, um, you know, the, the method. But but I love the other column he has over here about the tools and, and techniques. So all the different ways that you can convey information, all the different ways that you can convey hope, the different ways that you can present solutions and the different ways that you can make it, um, pleasurable or entertaining or, or, or interesting
1: um, so when you, you know think one of the Derek, I'm sorry Derek I was go ahead, going to ask you me. a question I was going to flip the interview table from you Uh-oh. have a huge amount of writing experience when I go on your website and look at all the books you worked on you know that's just so impressive um, oh thank you and so when you've worked on with all these authors over the years Does that ring true to you to to be able to look and to do some analysis early on as you're beginning to develop that manuscript about whether or not you have all these uh, different elements?
0: You know, I I mean, now that I have this this tool, I can frame it like that. But the the shorthand for me, or I guess kind of the first couple of steps I took down this, this road, is I would always tell my authors, that great business books, and that's really what we're going for whenever I work with someone. We don't just want um, something that just has their name on the cover or something that just provides um, you know, some information. We want a great business book. That's the goal. And great business books are both uh, informative so that there's actual value there. It's not just something that you read and it's you know, it's like cotton candy there's it looks like there's a lot there, but there's really there's there's nothing it's just fluff we we don't want that we want something meaty, something they can sink their teeth into, something that's gonna help them with the problem that they have but on the other hand, um nobody enjoys reading an academic textbook I mean whenever you know I was in in college or grad school, if I really enjoyed the subject, if I loved the subject, I might read you know, uh, extra more than the professor assigned. But in most of my classes, if, you know, they assigned a certain chapter to read, that's the only chapter I I read because it was so dense and you just slogged through and you had to read things three and four times to even figure out what they were saying. So even though, um, you know, a textbook is on the other end of the spectrum, there's a lot of information in there. It's very meaty, very weighty. Uh, Nobody enjoys it great business books have to be both informative and entertaining, uh, or at least interesting. And so whenever I start looking at um you know at the, the four the four things that, that you're selling in a in a business book, um I see where the, the books that I've 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 ghostwritten or that I've edited or that I've coached other authors through um the, the results, you know, are something that they 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 need their their clients to to get to. Um, we have to make it it interesting to read, or else they're never going to get through it. Um, all of them want to you know provide some kind of information; otherwise, why are you buying the the book? But the the hope part is, I think I think that's the the part that I I've never really you. Uh, I just I'm I'm just blessed that I work with wonderful people who are excited about the future so that hope kind of naturally infuses itself into into the book but looking back I mean those are the people that really that they've done wonderful things with their book because their their book is based on the idea that life can be better that there is something greater out there and if you just know where to look and have a couple of eyes Ideas about which direction to start running in, that um, that you can in- enjoy that. I don't know if that if that answered your your question, Ray, but um, at least I danced around the edges.
1: Well, it does, it does, Derek. That's good. Uh, and then I think I'm just thinking the next step for me when I get in, and begin to work with authors. And a lot of times when I get the first draft manuscript, there may be twenty or thirty page chapters and. Um, and again, you're asking a lot for people, and particularly business people, whether or not you're talking about managers, or you're talking about entrepreneurs, or you're talking about salespeople, a whole lot of those people have ADD. And you combine that with the crazy <laughs> schedules that we all have now, is they yeah. just don't have a lot of time to read, Uh and you know there are book lovers like you and I that take time to read. You know we do. It's we have to do it or we're really in trouble. Um, but for most of the world, that's not true. You know they, you know, pay twenty or twenty-five or thirty dollars for a book. To, to 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 if that promise, that hope, that's just being sold on the cover, is there in the book, and and so when you're selling, when I think of someone if they're standing in an airport bookstore. Or if you're giving a speech and the book is being sold in the back of the room, uh, or if it's at a retail bookstore uh, downtown or wherever it might be, um, that um, there's a sales pitch on the back, on the back cover on the flap usually. But when you open mm-hmm. that table of contents, that's the bridge between editorial and marketing. And uh, I spent a whole lot of times working with my authors just polishing and polishing that because the the role and the function of that table of contents is not only to inform with clarity, that's the editorial part, but secondly, to persuade. To persuade yeah. someone to take the next step, and that's usually mm-hmm. to go in and look some time at the book. But if I think if our readers, if your listeners would think, a lot of times they close up the book and walk to the checkout counter with their Visa card after they've read the table contents, and so a lot of time that's the decision point you either begin to do a bit more discovery read about the author or, or get a feel for the book uh, or you put it back on the shelf or you go to the checkout counter so that table contents is key but if they flip in, in between that's where I think the design and having a relatively open design and And shorter chapters and shorter paragraphs, Uh, Mm -hmm. and we're not going to Hemingway with being a minimalist. But the, I think we're back to almost uh, you and I were talking briefly before about one of the things that people love about quotes is that they're short, and people can grab the concept, the gem of the wisdom there, and and so um, I'm down to the place now. A lot of times I recommend authors uh ideally a chapter should be 5 to 8 pages um, and so that someone can spend you know 5 to 10 minutes reading that you know at night or whatever before they need to start you know propping up their eyelids uh they can put the bookmark in the chapter and head off to dreamland knowing that they've they've made an accomplishment they've they've read one more chapter there and if you ask people to read 20 or 30 page chapters uh, you're going to lose people because The selling that you're doing again is getting, you're selling them, you're persuading them to turn the page and read the next chapter or read the next page. And then you're selling them all over again. If it's a 250-page book, you have 250 sales presentations to give.
0: (laughs) I've never heard it fit that way. That's funny. I have heard before that the the purpose of the uh, let's see the purpose of of one sentence is to get them to read the next. The purpose of the of a paragraph is to get them to read the next paragraph. The perfect uh, the the purpose of the page is to get them to read the next page. Purpose of the chapter the next chapter, and then the purpose of the book is to get them to read the next book.
1: <laughs> yes, or the I think of it in terms of selling or marketing again. I think the purpose is when they finish reading, and maybe even before, halfway through or two thirds of the way through, uh, if they if they purchase that one, uh, they would think I need to buy this for my six employees, or I need to give it to all my clients, or I need to give it to Sally Sue when she graduates from college next month, uh, or whatever. They begin to think who who else. Or, you know, could use the book, uh or maybe they want to build a class around it, or whatever. They begin to think, "Wow, this is fantastic." what else? How else can I use this? And then a lot of times, I think it's the same phenomena. You know, when we go to a, a new restaurant and we just love it, I mean, we fall in love with this place and we start telling everybody we know. You know, we we get on Facebook about it. You know, we tell all our, our buddies at work, and uh, and so that same. If a book is really good, they will have the same experience from the book. And there's where you get back to the very best-selling of all, and that's word of mouth. And so that's one of the things I continually think about in the book is how, how to you you mentioned the word value before, and to create as much valuable or as much value as possible, so that that person becomes so excited about it that they're going to become an evangelist for you.
0: Right. Right. Can we can we shift gears? Slightly, and go from talking about um, you know great business books in general to talking specifically about the the new. And again, I hesitate to say business book uh, because it, it's so much more than that. But let's let's talk about fired up selling. I mean, this is near and and dear to your heart on a on a personal level. So let's talk about um, you know where, why where you came up uh, with the idea. And what you're trying to accomplish with the book, and what you feel like um, that you're selling the, the the reader.
1: Well, it began. You'd meet you to you know, leading in, Derek. It, it began as a hobby. I started collecting quotes. Oh, a long, long time ago. Uh, you know, I was. I think I started collecting them on my hard drive, maybe 12 or 15 years ago. You know, I actually started. A, but before that, I'd buy quote books, you know, for my you know, my own personal enjoyment. And then a lot of our authors, as you know, authors like to use quotes a lot of times in books, and so it was a resource. And I always enjoyed working with others on that part. A lot of times, I'd be the quote researcher. I'd help, I'd help go find the best quotes. and and so, um, you know, I had a ton of them on my hard drive. And this has probably been six or eight years ago. And I thought, well, I'll do a little quote book. And so I, I went to Amazon thinking. Just to see what the competition is, do a little quick market research, and there were just uh, hundreds of them. And I already should have known that. I had a bunch of those on my shelf, on well, my own shelf. <laughs> you so were the, yeah, uh, uh, you know, that was a, another bright-eyed book idea. Uh, but I still kept collecting quotes, um, and then after probably two or three years, uh, I stopped again and asked myself, you know, who really needs quotes? Um, who more than any al- anyone else you know needs inspiration and encouragement and I came up with two categories the first for salespeople and the other ones is entrepreneurs because those are the folks that are you know they you know they get kicked in the gut you know they're swimming upstream they're having people tell them you know you're being delusional there's no way you can do that uh, and so they really have to build up that inner courage to keep doing what, what their passion is and what they believe in. And I believe you know, inspirational quotes and, and good quotes are essentially brain food. They help us frame and reframe our thinking. Um, yeah. And there's a quote. In fact, we have it. Uh, it's a Norman Vincent Peale quote. We have it on the very back uh, of the book. And it's a really short one again. It's change your thoughts, and you change your world. Over with Vincent Peale. And so yeah. that's what, for me, quotes were and still are about even more, as they provide us a way. If, if we have something happening to us, an experience that's not so good, or we are kind of get it down or whatever, you know, bringing in a new thought through a powerful quote can help us reframe that and think differently. And then if we're getting up in the morning or we're out on a walk and we're, you know, we've got some open headspace, a quote can help us, it can it can help us start a thought or a plan. It can help us actually frame fr- frame our thinking. And uh, so that's what got me started. And then after that, I had, you know, I, I got off into the idea about how to actually put together a book. And we could talk a little bit more about that later if you wanted. I created a user crowdsourcing model. Uh, developed or created a, a project called the fired up selling project and but let me shift over let me take this let me pull this selling thread that we were using just for a moment go you'd you'd mentioned it uh, just a moment ago about uh, how how the selling relates to back what we've been talking about and that is selling let me pull uh, well let me just do the thumbnail on the on the project because it leads into this uh, the dilemma that I had was I had these huge number of quotes, and so I was first thinking I need to put a thousand or so in a book to really give it a lot of value, and then a friend of mine uh, told me no no no, he, you know he, we were having a conversation and he held up his finger, you know with the number one, and I said okay you know what does that mean? He said one per page, and I thought about thirty seconds and I said you're right, I didn't do one per page in the book. Some of them do have. And the most on any one page is three, because I, what I wanted people to do when they experienced the book is to read the quote and to sit with it, and just to let yeah. them absorb what that author is sharing with them. And and so then I thought, well, that's 250 or 300 quotes. That's even more of a challenge. You know, uh, I had this huge dilemma about what to do then, how to pick these. And so I went back and forth for a number of weeks, and then I decided um, to find some people to help me judge these quotes, you know. And so um, I early had a name in the book business. We called them reviewers or readers, and I thought, well, you yeah, that's not a very good name. It doesn't have any magic. And so I came up with the word quote judges. And so what does a quote judge do? They judge quotes. I mean, it's pretty plain. <laughs> and so— You know, I asked Roy and some of my other friends to, you know, help me find some co-judges. And so they, you know, put it out in their world. And we wound up with more than 1,200 people around the world signing up to be co-judges. And my intent there was to – these were my customers. They were sales managers, salespeople, uh, people, professionals in the field, consultants, trainers, bloggers. Uh, and then a few quote lovers in there. I had some friends that love quotes, and I knew they'd want to be part of the project too. And uh, so my intent was, rather than me second-guess what my customers wanted, I was going to go ask them what they wanted. Uh, I mean, what a concept. Ask your customers what they want. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so... Well,
0: we forget that as as authors, I think, because it was... Writing a book, we write the, the way I tell my my um, my authors is that we write books from the inside out, right? We start within our own mind, then we try to get all these ideas out. But whenever we're selling a book, you have to flip it because your readers are coming from the outside in. They have to get through the the packaging, and you were talking about the the cover and the promise. In the copy and the table of contents, they have to get through all of that before they actually get into the heart of the book it, itself. So it's, I mean, it's it's funny, but whenever it's we're writing a book, it it actually is a a pretty novel concept to say what should what what do they want to to, to buy.
1: <laughs> yes, it is, and it's you know the New York publishers, the publishing industry, and I can't there's. You know, there's fiction and nonfiction world, and the fiction world is another whole different world. I think you approach that in a whole different way than when you're wor- working in nonfiction, and certainly business books. Oh yeah, uh, right. But the and the but even still, there. You know, a lot of times authors, fiction authors, will go out and do readings with small groups, and they will have people read their their manuscript early on and listen to that feedback. Uh, and the, and the book world's been doing that a long time, and in most of the New York houses will send out a manuscript to two, three, quote, experts in the field. And a lot of times, those are not people in the marketplace. They're real customers. Those are experts in the field. And so right. I decided to do something much larger than that. You know, We had a more than 1,000 people ready to go. And so what I did tw- twice a week on Tuesday and Thursday morning, early, I'd send out a collection of 15 quotes. And for each one of them, we were using SurveyMonkey. And for each one of them, they would read the quote very quickly, and they would hit a button: okay, good, or great. And they'd go through, and it would take them usually about five or six minutes to give their verdicts on these fifteen quotes. And and over the life of the project, which lasted a year, uh, they judged a thousand and five quotes. And for the book, there are three hundred twenty-four in the book we picked the very best to go into book because each of when they're voting each of those quotes have a score now Um, and so this is what I was getting to and I needed to kind of fill in that background to give you the number one quote and so here's the number one quote in fact this quote was voted number one three different times it was it was at the very beginning of the project that I put this in one of the collections it was voted number one that week and then Later, I can't remember what in between we did another round, include some of the top ones. It was voted number one there. And at the very end of the project, (coughs) excuse me, Derek, we did, you know, kind of like a sweet sixteen. We did a, you know, a a face-off deal, and it was it was voted number one there. And here it is. People won't remember what you say. People won't remember what you do. People will forever remember how you made them feel. You know who said that? No idea. Maya Angelou. Poet. And a very very good poet. And
0: so Maya Angelou is amazing.
1: And so here, these sales people, sales managers, you know, consultants, trainers, bloggers. Selected poets quote as the number one, Um, and so when you take that quote, you know people won't remember what you do or people won't remember what you say. People won't remember what you do, but they will forever remember how you made them feel. And when we think about that, that's not only certainly that's the key to selling, uh, because part of that is trust. Uh, in fact, one of the things we asked people during the project of the year, well, I gave them a list of 8 or 10 or 12 different qualities of the salespeople and asked them to rate them. And trust was number one. Mm-hmm. That these people were saying trust is the number one quality for a salesperson. And so that's part of how you make people feel. You know, People feel trusty. You also make people feel important, and you do that by listening and a lot of other ways. And there's a bunch of, as you know, there's a bunch of quotes in the book about that. Um, and so let's look at those four. Uh, that quote is there information there, or is there some concepts there? Yeah, uh, you know, what's the big idea? My shorthand for information is what's the big idea.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think for that quote, the big idea is. Life is an emotional experience, not a logical experience. And when we're presenting information, a lot of times we get over into that left brain and we try to present it logically. Yeah. But how people experience life, and I'm underlining twice the word experience, they experience that emotionally. And I think that's in big letters. I think what my Angelou is telling us here.
0: Yeah, Ray, if I could could throw something in the in the mix, there it reminds me of of one of my favorite quotes, and that I forget the author off the top of my head, but it, it said, "We are not we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience."
1: Yes, I think it was Pierre uh, Desjardins. I think I think that's
0: his quote. Because it 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 speaks exactly to what you're talking about there. That that we we think in in terms of of you know the physical world and, and facts and figures and statistics, but the life whenever we think about life, real life, it's not over there in statistics and and, and math land. It is in emotions and, and the, the feelings, the the highlights of of our life, are not about whenever. It's about how we felt whenever something happened.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. And and so I think that's the that's the big part here. And then it, you know the how to. Uh, you know I think. It's it's not explicit here, and Maya's little quote, and I, don't, I haven't counted the words. It'd be interesting to quote the words. Probably what twenty words there, something like that. Uh, it's not a sh- super short quote, nor is it a long one, but uh, but it it does I think pique your curiosity to say, okay, how do I do that? How do I make people? Feel and how do I want to make them feel? You know, when my when I call on my if I'm a salesperson, when I call on my salespeople, how do I want them to feel? Or if I'm writing this paragraph or this chapter or this book, how do I want people to feel? And when I'm writing this email, how do I want people to feel when they finish? Uh, And so the uh, it's I think it gets you, and then I think you begin uh, when you're talking about emails. I think one big thing is how often you use the, the word I as opposed to the word you? That's, uh, and it's amazing. When you become conscious of that, and it sounds like you already are, when you start reading other people's emails, it's amazing how many times they use the word I and how few the times they use the word you. Uh, well, it reminds me. It reminds me of,
0: uh, you know, in, in Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, even back in the, what was that, the 1930s or, or 40s, yeah, that, that, uh, yeah. he said that they said that Ma Bell did a, a survey, and the, the most used uh, English word, you know, whenever people were on the telephone, was I. So that has mm-hmm. stuck with me. So every time <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I write an, an email I go back and I look at how many paragraphs begin with the, the the letter "I," and it makes me you know stop and think about how much of, of this am I, am I writing from, from my point of view and how much of this? Is there some way to make this more about the recipient? I don't want to be the person on the telephone where the, the, the number
1: one word is "I." Well, you've nailed it. You've nailed it, uh, Derek. That's, that is so true. I didn't know about that. That's very interesting. I'm not. I'm not surprised at that. And I think the same thing probably true with the emails now. You're transferring a lot of obviously a lot of telephone communication is in email form now. And right. you, meet, you used the word frame before, and you and I could have a very long conversation about this. One of the things that's fascinated me for a number of years, and I keep buying books and. And uh, thinking about it is the idea about framing and what we do with framing and particularly how we frame our words and 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 what that framing does to the the experience first of all the outer experience with the people whether or not they're our spouse our children uh, what we're doing in a book speech we're giving or whatever it is and then secondly that internal experience, that self talk about how we frame our own self talk and frame and reframe. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that yeah. is reframing and and getting becoming aware and conscious about how we can reframe. Um and so I think the biggest frame of all, uh it's what I call super frames. And I think for me the biggest super frame of all is the one whether or not you're coming out of the me, which is an I the way you express me is the word I and the flip it around 180 degrees and it's you and I think is that I find myself, even though I've become a I've been aware of that for some very long time now and I try to practice it but I find myself regularly almost every day slipping back into that me frame and not flipping mm-hmm. it out there enough and putting the frame around uh, around them yeah. so um and so let me go and wrap this up uh and certainly my is selling hope uh there i think hope hope is big time on that um and then uh you know we're back to the entertainment you know that is such a lyrical uh piece uh it is poetry, you know. I was a poet and so that is poetry. Yeah. And, and so that's um you can tell I've just had a, a bunch of fun, you know, working working with quotes. And they go back again to that Nora and Vincent Peel. We're back to the and that quote that I was using there from is Change your thoughts and you change your world. That's about framing. That's a you know that's about using quotes as brain food to you know, to help um you know, give us some courage and fortitude and to do what we need to do. And
0: well, like I was sharing with you um at the before we uh we jumped on the 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 podcast was that I, I think of them as, as gems, right? So there, there are these so much value in these tiny little pieces of, of words. I mean there are people who can say more in, in a quote. Than um, than I've you know sometimes tried to say in in an entire chapter and those I think it's it's important because they because they're they're so succinct they get straight to the heart of the matter so you don't have to go through um, you know the whole chapter and, and think about and mull over things they just they get right to the the heart of the of the issue and make you change how you you think because how does that other other quote go but it says uh let's see change, change your change your thoughts change your actions change your actions change your habits change your habits change your life
1: yes 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 um that's so very true. It's start. It's tar- You know the Greeks do that, and they talked about it. You know about you know how we think changes our life. And Napoleon Hill, obviously, we think and grow rich, one of the best selling, probably the best selling, if you will, business. If you use the biggest tent, you know for business, it's really a personal development book, but it's also a quote a business book. It's probably the uh, I think it's sold 30 or 50 million copies. Um, it's probably the best selling book. You know, think and grow rich, and. And the one, if um, uh, Derek, it fits with one thing. You were talking about the one thing before being one of your favorite books, Uh, because and Gary uses in the book the concept of extreme Prado. You know, Prado is the eighty twenty rule that we've all heard for a long time. And what Mm -hmm. Gary talks about, uh, which I think is one of the core concepts in the book, is that you squeeze it down one more step. You take it down to extreme Prado. You know, you take your focus down, you tighten it down so that you really focus. Uh and I think that's what quotes do. You know, they squeeze out so many of the words. And I think that's you know, on the on the jacket or the dust jacket of the one thing, we talk about how busy we are. So you know, we're all just bombarded with you know, thousands of pieces of information every day. Um and so that's one of the beauties of the quote book is that you can sit down uh, and if you're wary, uh, you can read a couple, three pages. You can you know you can look at the table contents, contents, uh, or you can go into back and look at the subject index. This cross reference, you can find something that speaks to you and spend two, three minutes, five minutes with it. Or if you want to sit down and you know read you know a few pages, you could do that. But it's uh, it is it's back to the words you use. It's there there are gems. Um, and they're more like diamonds. Uh you know, diamonds is one way to think about it, Jim. I mean, they are little little diamonds, if you will. Yeah. Well, I uh I got lucky.
0: Well I say lucky, maybe it's a little bit of uh, foresight, but uh I actually went and pre ordered the, the book on uh on Amazon so as soon as uh as soon as uh, as it hit, they uh, I don't know if they accidentally made a made a mistake, because the the book actually this is the this is the big launch week for the for the book. I just happened to to get a a pre order copy. Um, so uh, so fired up selling uh, comes out this week. Uh, Ray, where are all uh, I mean, in addition to to Amazon on, online, where all can um, where else can can people find the book?
1: Lambus well, Prime probably it's discounted slightly, because you know, it's just out, but it's a discount price and if you're a prime member you get it free on Amazon, obviously. Uh and so that's the easy way. You can also go to barnesandnoble.com and there's a whole bunch of other books a million dot com. A lot of people are selling it online. And then it's uh right now, I think starting uh this week on, on Tuesday, it should be at the very front of the store at Barnes Noble, all the Barnes Noble's around the country. Uh, it'll be at the Hudson Bookstores. If you're out traveling at the airport, you can buy it at Hudsons. It'll be out front, displayed there. Um, so it's it's out in the world. We're going to see. You know, that's the I'm sure, like every other author, it's been a long, long time. I don't know, probably 30 years since I've authored a book. I did a few books for the New York Houses back a long time ago, as an author. And so this has been a new experience. Although I'm really not an author for this book. You know, there are 268 authors in the book. And people that wrote these quotes, uh, but um, you know my name's not on the cover of the book because I'm because I'm not the author. Uh, but about two three months ago, I, f- I figured out that nobody else is going to be the author of this book, so I am going to have to step up and be the author. So, I, uh, <laughs> and so it was it was really kind of an odd experience to think, okay, I need to get in gear. And that's not unusual. (laughs) One of the things that I find that authors do, they wait way, way, way too long to begin to think about selling. We're back to selling again. Uh, You know, I worked with my my authors starting at least a year before and sometimes two years before putting together a marketing sales plan. Uh, And so I was guilty, you know, here. Uh, I waited really too late to, you know, begin to get in gear. But I have a great uh, group of sales folks that, when we bring a book out, we just get you know great distribution all over the world with it. And our sales, you know, our sales folks got really fired up about the book. And one day took it to Barnes and Noble and Amazon. The other, you know, the, the people that buy books and decide whether or not a book gets on the shelves at Barnes and Noble and other places, you know, they got really excited about the book. And and so I have – there's a lot more books out in the world than what I thought there would be. So I'm 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 sitting on my you know my chair edge of my chair this week to you know uh, next Monday I'll get or next Wednesday I guess I'll get book scan numbers to know really how well how well the book did. Uh,
0: what's that saying about the uh, the cobbler's the cobbler's son goes barefoot? You know we we do <laughs> you whenever know, we do so much for others, it's hard to to remember to do it for ourselves as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're talking about me, Derek. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, um, what's the the teaser you put out about the new free service that that Bard Press is is going to start um, uh, offering?
1: Well, we started just a few weeks ago, and one of the things when we were you know, like I say, we went a year with these quote judges, and a lot of the quote judges voted every time, you know, twice a week. And they got, you know, they just loved the project. They love reading the quotes. They love giving their us their verdicts. And so at the end, I said, you know, you know what else can we do? You know, uh, you guys have been so great. You've been so helpful to me, helping me create this book. And we just learned so much beyond just deciding which quotes to put in the book. And they made it so much better book. There were a number of quotes that I thought were just fantastic that they just bombed. It it literally just gave them awful scores. Uh, And so (laughs) I also learned a lot about what's happening in the selling world today Uh, because Mm -hmm. we had a comment section, and we got a lot of comments. And so for a year, we had an ongoing dialogue with with all these quote judges. And so it was just – and so one of the things that came out of that conversation at the end – was I knew that people wouldn't didn't want to keep, you know, judging this many quotes over a long period of time. So I came up with the idea and there's a bunch of them out there, uh, you know, that they'll send you a quote a day and quote a wow. day services, and in fact I subscribed to several. But I wanted to do one uh a little different and so this is what and folks said yes, we love that idea. So what I came up with, the title of this one uh is fifty five second fire up. And the idea is every morning during the week, Monday through Friday, early in the morning, in your mailbox, we will have waiting two inspirational quotes and two humorous one-liners to give you a little humor uh, and to get you, you know, give you a kick in the seat of the pants every morning. And we rolled that out, I guess, two or three weeks ago, and it's free. I mean, it's uh, you can they can if people want to sign up, they can go probably the easiest way just to google go google fired up selling or fired up selling project uh, and they'll find a link and then there's a sign up they just you'll fill in their name and email address and pop it over to us and and we'll add them to the file and then so they'll start getting the and so we we went back I was curious you know we're back to making the promise when we're selling whether or not we're making the promise Uh, one of the things that we can go in and look and survey monkey and to see what's going on we can look at the metrics and so, uh, after I guess a week or so after it started, I thought, well, I'll go look and see whether or not people are really doing this in fifty-five seconds or less. And they were. I found a lot of forty-ones and forty-sevens and fifty-twos and thirty-nines. And so yes. people really were going in and reading the quotes and and they're voting also. You know, now I added one. There's four buttons: awful, okay, good, or great. Uh, and so, um, and we're you know I continue to have a lot of fun now collecting quotes and and putting them together to you know send out to folks every morning.
0: That's a treat for me because I, um, I I love them. I, I try to in in, in my book, um, the business book bible. I I got away with this because uh, because I self published. Uh, I am, you know, I am a professional writer, so I get a little bit of leeway. But mostly because I self-published, nobody could tell me no. I don't just start each chapter with a quote. I start each uh, each chapter section with uh, a quote. And I've had people tell me that they learned more from the the quote, and it's it's not you know it's not from me. It's it's you know everyone else. Um, I go find an appropriate quote that they learned more sometimes from the quote that started the section. Than they did from from anything that I actually wrote in the, in the text.
1: yeah that's not a very good one for your ego is it but uh but look who you you're competing against you're competing of some it's uh it's tough it's tough uh but again you're back back to the readers and so that's one of the things I think if you you probably already know that and you probably that's part of your part of your service or part of your consulting coaching writing. Uh, work is that you. My guess is that you probably help people you will know, find really good quotes to to mix into the to, to the blend and because one of the things quotes are we're back to that four thing quotes are entertaining. You know that's one of the four yeah. four things. I think people do find them uh, entertaining.
0: I, I do. I try at the beginning um, of of every chapter to go find a great quote. To, uh, to start that, that chapter off. And, and we really, you know, we have to write the chapter and, and, and then edit the chapter and go through before we can find a, a quote that really sums it up. Sometimes we'll have some quotes off to the side and try to figure out where does where does this one, this is a great quote that speaks to a theme of the book. Does it fit anywhere at the beginning of any of these chapters? Um, but yeah, I actually, I I do. That's one of my little pets, um, little pet add-ons. That uh, that they don't realize they're getting is that I I love to help take great quotes that, um, that just do something amazing for the world and, uh, and and bring them into authors' books to help them to help people. Well, just like you know, some of my readers do with with my book. You know, sometimes get more out of that quote than they do, uh, you know, two or three or four pages of of reading the book itself.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I bet in this. The little book that you have now has a black cover with a big red apostrophe or a big exclamation point on the cover. I bet you might find a cute of quotes in there that would go in some of your books.
0: Oh, I already have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love it. It shameless I mean, promotion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, It's not. It's not shameful if you don't have anything to be ashamed of. Right, right. <laughs> well I Ray It's not like your quote. I will been... like <laughs> uh, uh, coin it but uh, you know, maybe so I'm I'm sure I probably stole it from somebody else. Uh but uh Ray, this has been uh, this has been great. Thank you so much for uh for taking so much of, of your, your time and uh you know for delivering you know, thirty years or more worth of uh, of publishing knowledge and writing wisdom into uh, you know the thirty or forty minutes that we've uh, we've been on the on the call. I, I really appreciate it.
1: Yes, well, it's good. Derek, it's been fun as you can tell. I enjoy talking about this, so it's it's been it's been a pleasure. So uh, awesome. until next time, stay fired up. Fired up. Thanks, for Good day.